Are you looking for a talk show featuring leading global voices? Do you want to learn more about how international issues directly affect people locally? Global Connections Television presents the insights of global influencers at no cost to viewers and programmers. GCTV is independently produced and reaches more than 70 million potential viewers worldwide each week. The show covers everything from human rights to climate change, from peace and security to empowering women and girls. It features guests such as Dr. Jane Goodall, former UN High Commissioner for Human Rights Mary Robinson, and Peter Yarrow of Peter, Paul, and Mary. The show also hosts expert voices from the private sector, academia, and labor and environmental movements. GCTV is available to public television media outlets, universities, and service clubs for distribution. To watch the show or find out more, click the link in our episode description. Hi, I'm Casey Candela. And I'm Stephanie Filial, and welcome to Unscripted. Today, the UN faces the ultimate test of digital diplomacy at the 75th General Assembly amid the first truly global pandemic in more than a century. Will UN member states seize the opportunity to do the opening debate of the General Assembly differently? This is Unscripted, a podcast taking you inside the United Nations and beyond the scripted debates to the people at the heart of it all, the diplomats and the reporters covering them. Today, we talk to e-diplomacy expert Jovan Corbarilla from the Diplo Foundation, a Maltese nonprofit organization. And we chat with Mexican journalist Maurizio Guerrero based in New York City, about what to expect from leaders of Latin America, a region dramatically affected by the COVID-19 pandemic right now. I'm speaking to you at what I know is an increasingly challenging time, a time of disruption in the life of our country, a disruption that has brought grief to some, financial difficulties to many, and enormous changes to the daily lives of us all. Queen Elizabeth proves it. Pre-recorded political videos can be dry and unexciting, even if you're royalty. And for this year's high-level meeting of the UN's General Assembly, there will be nearly 200 video speeches. Um, Evening, everyone. That I would jump online um, quickly and just check in with everyone, really. Uh, But New Zealand's uh, Prime Minister, Jacinda Ardern, has shown during this pandemic that riveting videos can be done. She sent powerful videos to New Zealanders during the pandemic wearing a sweatshirt from her living room. While neither woman is scheduled to speak at the UNGA, and Ardern's video style doesn't really fit the UN's dress code, it shows there are different styles and approaches leaders and other public figures can take when it comes to addressing large audiences by video. This year's General Assembly is the 75th, so it's a special one for the UN. And it's also the first time in the UN's history in which thousands of leaders and their retinae will not travel to New York City to talk in the large General Assembly Hall. For the city of New York, it's millions of dollars in lost revenue associated with these wandering diplomats, from the food they eat to the accommodations they stay at and the museums they visit when or if they get a little break. 
and they like to shop too. But for diplomacy, it's hundreds of bilateral meetings between countries that otherwise do not get to talk. That won't happen. This is a major setback because that's how disputes are usually settled. And on this episode, we'll give you an overview of what and who to watch for at the UN 75th birthday, as the speeches are always revealing, especially during the COVID-19 pandemic. But this year's UNGA could become daring if President Trump shows up. In August, he said he wanted to come and that he'd rather be at the United Nations to deliver his speech. Because of the pandemic, the outgoing president of the General Assembly, Tajani Muhammad Bande of Nigeria, encouraged delegates this summer to have their leaders send pre-recorded videos as their official speeches. These will be introduced by each country's representative in New York City. But President Trump, by already being in the United States, can easily travel to New York City to give his speech in person. He gets swabbed daily, according to media reports, if not more often. Yet so far, the UN says it has not received a confirmation that Trump will speak in person. But knowing the administration and the president's unpredictability, it's still possible he might show up on September 21st for the UN's 75th commemoration, or on September 22nd for the opening day of speeches, or for both. Trump is also at the end of his re-election campaign, and rumor has it that he could come to either announce the U.S. is defunding the U.N. or completely withdrawing. A withdrawal is unlikely, but coming to the U.N. to criticize it is something that could rally Trump's electorate. He would also likely champion his recent foreign policy achievements in the Middle East, with Israel and some Gulf nations normalizing relations. But what will he say about Iran, China, Russia, Venezuela, or Joe Biden? A Twitter hashtag called Defund the UN was trending in the United States recently. And the Trump administration has disengaged from so many UN entities in the last few years, from the World Health Organization to UNESCO to the Human Rights Council. So it's unlikely President Trump will deliver a speech that embraces the UN and multilateralism. While Trump, over the past few years, has been pretty good at stealing the show at the General Assembly, if he shows up, he will undoubtedly make the headlines, as other heads of states and government are at a disadvantage. They've been advised by the UN to send their videos four days in advance, so they can change their speech according to what their peers said before them. So grabbing people's attention will be a challenge, but it's also an opportunity to attract a different audience, Jovan Korbela told us. He's the co-founder of the Diplo Foundation, a nonprofit organization based in Malta that helps governments introduce new tools and technologies in diplomacy. Korbela was also the executive director of the UN's panel on digital cooperation. I would use some of the additional tools that this occasion provides like multimedia, like illustrations, like uh, engaging graphics. There are tools that can make this video not only relevant for their uh, counterparts in United uh, UNGA, but also to their uh, public back home, to general public, which can, uh, can see it. Why not to use this uh, occasion to communicate to the youth, to the gaming communities, to people who are not typically present 
in the corridors of the UN or the UN General Assembly meeting. That could be challenged to have a new type of messaging also for the leaders. Therefore, multimedia, infographics, some animations, and uh, obviously solid message. Uh, the multimedia gimmicks sometimes called should not cover the solid message. It's important that message is conveyed with clarity and uh, clear vision. Using graphics and images is something that Turkey's Recep Tayyip Erdogan did last year in person at the GA. He brought with him and showed the camera and the world maps of Israeli annexation throughout the years in his speech. But with pre-recorded videos, it makes it easier for leaders to add a special touch to their presentation. Since the lockdown began, some countries and politicians have proven more comfortable with digital technology than others, and that's likely to be reflected at the GA. Good communicators offline tend to be good communicators online. But I would say the countries that were prepared for this were countries that uh, have been countries that are advanced in digital field, like, for example, Estonia. Uh, European Union did quite well in the internal, uh, internal coordination. Uh, Switzerland has been uh, using very effectively online meeting tools, including in Geneva, as, which is one of the capital of, of digital diplomacy. Uh, Singapore. I would say Singapore had a quite a few events. Therefore, advanced players in digital field, small countries which rely on the multilateralism, made additional efforts comparing to big countries to be present. Estonia has already shown the Security Council it has an edge with e-governance. On September 4th, Estonia's foreign minister stood out in a meeting it organized on the human rights situation in Belarus. He spoke to the Security Council from a slick professional studio with a large screen in the background, something rather unusual for the Security Council. So Estonian President Kersti Kaujulaid's speech will be something to watch. But she'll come in quite late on the speaking schedule, late in the second day, September 22nd. Women have been relayed to a pretty low rank at this year's General Assembly. The first woman to speak, President Zuzana Chaputova of Slovakia, will be number 53rd after 52 men. So far, no country has agreed to swap with Slovakia, including countries that support gender equality. The UN Department for General Assembly and Conference Management says it makes the schedule on a first-come, first-serve basis, meaning the first countries to send their confirmation get to speak first. And some countries were unhappy with the lower priority given to women speakers. Stephanie, you covered that story. Right. A diplomat contacted me about the situation. This mission was pretty shocked by the fact that no woman at all is scheduled to speak on the first day of the General Assembly on Tuesday, and Chaputova will be the 53rd speaker. Given that this year is the UN's 75th anniversary and nothing was said about that, the diplomats sort of felt compelled to say and do something. So this person reached out to us. Gender equality is one of Secretary General Antonio Guterres' priorities. And while he says he has no control over the speaking order, some diplomats felt the UN should push for the few women supposed to speak, we counted about 10 of them, to be given a more prominent position. And that also reflects the small amount of women in global politics nowadays, especially in top jobs. 
Right now, only 22 countries among the 193 UN member states have female heads of state. Stephanie, following the publication of your recent story about the speaking list, there's been a huge reaction to it on social media. Has the UN or anyone else done anything to change the lineup? We asked Brendan Varma, the spokesperson for Volkan Boskir, the new president of the General Assembly, and he told us that the schedule has not changed. Varma said it's up to the individual member states to swap with another country to have a woman moved up. So this year, again, men will be in the spotlight at the General Assembly. And President Jair Bolsonaro of Brazil is followed by President Trump to open, followed by leaders from countries such as France, Chile, China, Turkey, Russia, Iran, and South Africa in the morning. We'll see if any of these leaders, four of them permanent members of the Security Council, will add a special touch to their video. It's also unclear who will speak for Mali, as President Ibrahim Boubacar Keita was deposed in a coup d'etat in August. And it's unclear who's in charge of this West African country right now. But this year's unavoidable theme is going to be COVID-19. The pandemic has upended the General Assembly, and the world is still far from being done with its fight against the virus. One region that has been affected especially badly right now by the pandemic is Latin America. Peru, Bolivia, Ecuador, and Chile currently have some of the world's worst death per capita ratios. And Brazil's controversial handling of the pandemic has been widely covered. So we wanted to look at what to expect from leaders in that region during the General Assembly. We talked to independent Mexican journalist Maurizio Guerrero about it. He covered the UN for Notimex, Mexico's state-owned news agency, for years. Here's Stephanie's interview. Hi, Maurizio. Hi. Hi, Stephanie. Last year, a big part of this thing of the General Assembly for Leaders in South America was around the fires in the Amazon. Do you think that this year's overarching team is going to be COVID-19, or do you think that many of these leaders would rather avoid it? COVID-19 will be addressed as a topic for sure. Um, I spoke with Massimo Tomasoli, who is the observer of the UN, um, to the UN for the international think tank idea. And he considers that the pandemic will be an unavoidable issue, even for Latin American countries that have not done so well in their responses. According to the latest figures, Latin America accounts for eight of uh, 12 of the countries suffering the most uh, the highest death per capita in the world. And there are several reasons for this. Uh, many of them are structural problems, like um, growing inequality, the insufficient healthcare system, and that large, large part of the economy is informal. Um, but there are as well concrete problems in, in the response. Um, and, and the prime examples of this um, uh, flawed response to COVID is Brazil and Mexico. <clears throat> Uh, that are ruled by two populist presidents. In the case of Brazil, um, he's opening defying uh, science and defying the usefulness of uh, using face masks. And in the case of the Mexican president, he has in general downplayed the virus and he's betting for the development of a vaccine. And interestingly, there are other two countries of Latin America that could very likely bring up the issue of COVID. And those are Venezuela and Cuba. Those two countries, which are 
um, the post ideological and political post of the U.S. in the region have done pretty well, at least compared to, to their peers in Latin America. In the case of Cuba, that's not too surprising because they have a, a very a very good healthcare system. But in the case of, the, of Venezuela, a country which was in a crisis before the pandemic, um, this is kind of a surprise. And probably President Nicolás Maduro will brag about the response of Venezuela and, and would suggest that it, the country is better equipped than the U.S. to face a, this kind of emergency. And apart from COVID, um, there's another issue that probably we will see in the speeches of the presidents of Latin America in the GA. And, and that's, that's the presence of Trump and the influence of President Donald Trump of the U.S. in, in Latin American countries. And, and we will see that in several ways. Latin American presidents have now developed a new vocabulary, so to speak, to brand their, their political rivals. And as well, many countries have now less accountability and less democracy because of the effect of Donald Trump. And probably we will see signs of that in, in the speeches. So let's go back to the first populist leader you mentioned, Jair Bolsonaro of Brazil, for tradition, is going to be the, one, the first one speaking in the high-level meeting. Uh, do you feel like he's coming to the UN a bit weakened by the crisis, or can we expect just another show uh, like he did last year? We can expect another show from him, similar to last year's, and probably a little bit more strident even. He's, as you mentioned, weakened by, by corruption scandals in his government and in his inner circle. Um, but Bolsonaro is, as President Donald Trump, a leader that defies reality and empirical evidence. So probably he will first deny the seriousness of the pandemic in Brazil, who is the second or third country with the highest uh, death rate in the world um, because of COVID. And probably he will downplay or flatly deny the wildfires in the Amazon that are taking place right now. So I think anything that could distract people in Brazil from the domestic problems will be welcomed by Bolsonaro, and he will for sure try to take advantage of the opportunity of the General Assembly speech to divert attention from these topics and to portray himself as a leader that is so strong and so confident that he is not afraid to defy experts or the international community. One country that I'm sure you watch especially closely is Mexico, because that's where you're from. What do we expect from President Lopez Obrador of Mexico? He will be given surprises in the sense that we expected that President Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador would be a leader of the left and will represent more or less a voice of the moderate left in Latin America and will be a critic, even if in subtle ways, of, of the U.S. Um, government. But um, that was not the case. This will be the first speech of um, Mr. Lopez Obrador in the General Assembly. And probably we'll see that he um, is very close to President Donald Trump. Uh, he has complied uh, quickly with the, the U.S. demands on immigration and, and drug interdiction efforts. So we probably will see a leftist or so-called leftist president praising the U.S. government because now President Lopez Obrador is expecting to benefit from a vaccine that will be developed, well, not in Mexico. And probably he will praise as well the U.S. and probably Canada because of the trade agreement that was just signed uh, recently. Um, and it's a way that he probably will be 
expect to shield Mexico and himself if Donald Trump gets reelected. Another country that's pretty high up in the speaking list is Chile. Uh, so a lot of people will be watching when President Piñera uh, is going to give his speech. So how do you think he's going to use this opportunity and what kind of message he's going to want to send? President Sebastián Piñera has been as well battling with his own issues and a series of protests um, going on in Chile for more than a year now. Uh, so he would like to portray Chile as a functional and effective, an effective democracy. But uh, in his speech, we will see as well probably the influence already of Donald Trump. He, uh, Piñera is a conservative president, and he has already labeled some of the protesters as, as terrorists that are trying to destabilize his government. So in this sense, he may be willing to embrace this kind of rhetoric. And given that the Republican Party and the, um, President Donald Trump specifically uh, have already labeled some of the protesters here in the U.S. as terrorists, he will probably go that way as well, um, feeling uh, legitimized by, by the U.S. Another country that's seen protests in the last few years is Bolivia. President Janine Añez of Bolivia is going to speak as the country is still waiting to hold the next official election uh, as she's still the interim leader of Bolivia. Do you think she's going to give an electoral speech? It's very likely that, uh, that uh, President Janine Añez will refer to elections slated for, for October after being postponed. But given that she's so low in the polls, I think the main objective of Agnes would be to portray the main, the top presidential candidate, according to the polls, who is um, Luis Arce, um, as a threat to, to the country. And he, he will be, well, according to Agnes, he is a threat to the country because he's a socialist and he's the political heir of ousted president Evo Morales. Um, so Evo Morales was already accused, again, of terrorism by the judicial system controlled by Agnes um, government in Bolivia. So in this sense, as well, we will see this rhetoric and this vocabulary that is now prevalent in the U.S. being used by Latin American presidents as well to depict the, the, the rivals. And so she may be trying to, to portray the socialist as a threat and, you know, close to terrorists as well. So those are all leaders that we're going to watch very closely during this year's uh, General Assembly and also in light of the American elections that are taking place. Thank you so much, Mauricio, for taking the time to talk to us and we'll follow your coverage. Thank you, Stephanie. That's it for our show. This episode was co-produced by me, Casey Candela, and Stephanie Filion for Pass Blue, an independent women-led media site covering the United Nations and global affairs. Dulcie Leimbach is our editor, AI Digital created our podcast logo, and our music is by Poddington Bear. A lot happens at the UN beyond what we report in each episode of Unscripted. And PassBlue is covering the important news, from women's rights to human rights to the Trump effect on the UN. For day-to-day coverage, follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And to subscribe to our newsletter, go to passblue.com. 
Past Blue's in-depth and exclusive stories and this podcast are possible with the support of the Carnegie Corporation of New York, the New School, and listeners like you. To show your support, visit Past Blue's website and click Donate. Unscripted is available wherever you find podcasts. If you like today's show, please rate us on iTunes and share with all your friends.